0: Hey, what up Long Beach? We're once again talking everything local football on this episode of the podcast. That's part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. As always, What Up Long Beach is brought to you by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike
1: Gardebasio. We are recording very late at night, so I'm a little bit sleepy. Apologies. (laughs) And I'm the fresh-faced Tyler Hendrickson. Uh, I'll try not to yawn during the pod, but we got Mike some caffeine. He's got some tea. So hopefully he can make it through to the end of the show.
0: Well, Mike was up early. He was doing the uh, the speaking and the important stuff with the education coverage at the Long Beach Post. Mike, you, you were on camera this morning. You had to be camera
2: ready. We, we had a, a live chat with OBUSD Superintendent Joe Baker talking about next week uh, opening schools back up, um, which will be, I mean, really, guys, a super important step if you think about it. Schools close March thirteenth, two 2020. A year later, they opened up for something like forty percent of the district students who chose to go back for half day in the spring of twenty twenty one, and then now uh, and then summer school they had about fifteen thousand students on campus. So this next week will really be more than twice as many students as they've had on campus since the pandemic began. Almost seventy thousand students in the district, and um, Joe Baker said. Only about 600 students in the whole district have opted out of going back in
1: person. So it's going to be a really, really, really big deal in Long Beach. Well, and in fairness to <laughs> Dr. Baker, she took over as superintendent mid-pandemic. So this is sort of her first day of, of school, if you think about it, as superintendent, as a, as close as we've been to normal in a while uh, day of school. So that'll be interesting to kind of see that play out. But it was it was definitely interesting to kind of get a more in-depth um, read inside what's going on in the district and what's going on in the superintendent's office.
0: Did you guys ever have first day traditions when you were a kid? First day of school, something you did all the time. My mom always made sure that we took a first day picture in front of the house. So like right in front oh. of the front door, like the most awkward place to take a picture. But it was really cool because then, you know, at the end of your schooling. You get to line them all up. And you kind of see how you've, uh, oh, you know, ma- <laughs>
2: grown up the door,
0: <laughs> right? You can see less of the door the older you get.
2: Your mom, your mom was ahead of her time. That's like everyone does that now with the chalkboard, you know, right. the like I'm going into whatever. No, we never did. We never took pictures. Um, I think the the one real first day tradition that I remember. In Long Beach is we had, and still do, uniforms in elementary school. Right. And so I would be... I just remember being at Sears to get five white polo shirts <laughs>
0: you just went all you just went all superman you had the same shirt lined up in the closet I mean, at,
2: at that time i mean cause more I like was, quail man to be honest with I, you. Was in, uh, <laughs> I, I was solid in a solid doug reference i was in second or third grade when su- then superintendent carl Cohn, uh who was like one of my best friends in elementary school dad um, he put the uniform policy into place, so we all were very upset with uh, Tyler that his dad had done that <laughs> but at that time now like at my kids school they have like three different colors of shirts they can wear at that time it was either navy blue pants or navy blue shorts and white polo shirts and that was it until you graduated middle school now they mix it up and like Vincent and Maya can wear dark jeans, like dark blue jeans. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot looser now than it used to be. But at that time, it was like, it just started it. So it was, yeah, it was pretty strict. So yes, it was very Bart Simpson. Like, you just opened
1: the the closet. It was like, well, there's those shirts. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like, uh, you know, I got a feel for my guy Tyler in this scenario. He has to not only wear the uniforms, he has to wear his dad's decision every day at school. So that was definitely a tough double whammy for him. Grindy. I guess for me... The, I, don't, I didn't I don't really have any traditions that I could think of it was probably just being tardy I guess <laughs> And that wasn't a, like a purposeful thing but it's, it's like a tradition no you, but it's just a thing that happened right it was a recurring theme so maybe that was something where I think you wanted to get the first one out of the way on the first day because you can kind of blend in a little bit better you know it's like making an air on opening day where yeah you're like, well i ripped the band-aid i'm not gonna have a perfect no season. It is, that is well, a like, tradition i would have been very anxious walking in late
2: on the first
0: well day. if it's a tradition and you're doing it every year you, you get used to it but everyone's like but oh, oh it, you grow, into, or it, or <laughs> wow, grow wow. into it fashionably late even know
1: we're all wearing the same thing
0: beliefs are just things you think more than once traditions are just things you do more than once so point. congratulations on having a tradition you know what else should be a tradition tyler people smashing the subscribe button at the 562.org
1: that's a fantastic idea jj i love where your head's at because as you may or may not know and we're going to inform you right now the 562.org is a non local news network obviously we specialize in sports and education coverage in long beach but we simply could not do it without the support of the community our uh, readers, our donors, our sponsors. So please head to the website. There's a support tab at the562.org that gives you various ways to support the work that we do. The best way is to click that subscribe button, go to our Patreon page, sign up to be a monthly subscriber, chip in what you can every month, allow this coverage to continue and to grow and also be free for everyone in the community, all the high school kids and elementary school, middle school kids that we cover. So they have the opportunity to see it as well and help the five six two stick around for years to come. And guys, quickly want to broach it on the podcast, some kind of big news for us this week organizationally. We are, are offering two paid sponsorships to LBUSD students. We're super excited about too having
2: two paid internships. You said you said sponsorships, yes. Oh, I'm
1: sorry, I, I had my ships crossed, uh, like two ship, <laughs> two boats crossing in the night. Uh, yeah, two paid internships with LBUSD students. Uh, so we're really excited to work with them. Um, we've already started getting applications. It is going to be competitive because there's only those two spots. So um, you know, get those get those in. Go to the 562org slash interns. For more information and links, it's also on our social media as well. Uh, we're excited to, to mentor some young journalists and and hopefully can continue to provide opportunities for Long Beach's students. Yeah, if you're
0: listening to this podcast and you're a student in the LBUSD, you could be an intern and then be
1: on this podcast. It's literally how things work. It's not that difficult. It could definitely happen, and we do have a pretty good track record of sending people that we've worked with onto other jobs. Um, so yeah, that, that could be you, and we'd love to... To get some fresh ideas and you know we obviously interact with high school kids quite a bit so yeah let's get those get those resumes in look forward to doing some interviews and uh, growing our team a little bit. Very excited about that uh, we do we love that part of our job mentoring
2: and uh, and helping to kind of bring up the next generation. JJ and I always say that we had you know we we're very fortunate to have people who helped us along the way. Jim McCormick longtime uh, Press-Telegram sports editor who was Much nicer to us than there was ever any reason for him (laughs) to be. Big shouts, Jim. (laughs) Um, I just have to say one other thing about the uniforms, which is... Oh, Oh, he's backtracking. It really stuck with him. I didn't know this was going to be like this. Let's circle back. Here's the thing. (laughs) What do all kids do in elementary school? You play on the blacktop.
0: You make fun of each other.
2: Yes, you play on the blacktop. Everybody poops. (laughs) It may have been a bad decision to mandate that everyone wore white polo shirts fair They're enough which literally the first time you played ba- basketball on the black top fair enough so we got my son blue polo shirts you very smart be wearing the white polo shirts this school very smart respect just throw it yeah. out there
0: he, here's here's the other thing yeah. that blue one still just as dirty as the white one you just can't see you it you can't
2: see it that's all that matters <laughs> isn't it's that all what, that matters isn't that what cleaning is yeah. hiding the dirt right
1: <laughs> yeah
2: I just want to, I mean, because you wash the white one and it still looks dirty. You wash the blue one and it won't look dirty. That's all that matters to me.
0: As mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about football on this episode. And it's Thursday night. It's late on a Thursday. We're gearing up for Friday stuff. So late? When you're listening to this podcast, you can go to 562.org right now. Read some uh, player profiles that we did on Jordan and Lakewood Lancer players. You can also check out the previews for all of the games coming up on Friday. And check out the coverage. We just finished it, or are finishing it as we're recording this uh, podcast. We were just at Cabrillo where the Jaguars were hosting their first varsity football game on campus since October 2019. They had to miss the spring season because they couldn't field a team. But now the Jags are back. They're playing football. The game didn't go their way. They lost to Jefferson, but it was about more than that. You know what I mean? We're out there getting quotes from the principal and out there getting quotes from the coaches talking about how did it go? Like, this is a process. Football games are a process. It takes so many people coming together to have, like, the cheerleaders there and the band there and the announcers and all that stuff. And it looked like they were back, like they had been doing it the whole time. Like, you know what I mean? It didn't look rinky-dink. Everything was put together. They're running through the paper sign that says success in the West at the beginning of the game. Like, it felt good to be back on the West Side covering some football. So, big shouts to Coach Shane Gonzalez for doing everything. Literally. Literally. The guy was running to the store to get the stuff for the snack bar before coaching the football game. That's the type of hustle the West Side is known for, and it's the type of hustle we love here in Long Beach.
2: Yeah, a super fun team to cover. Honestly, uh, JJ mentioned the game didn't go their way, but one of the more enjoyable sideline experiences I've had in a while. Very impressed by the job that Shane and the rest of his coaches did of clearly setting the kids' expectations in the right spot. I mean, no one was like throwing their helmet or fighting with each other about you know, going down by a couple of touchdowns, they, they understand that they're, they're on the you know, foundational level of trying to sort of rebuild that program. Um, and I think keeping expectations, you know, kids, we always say it, like, kids appreciate honesty. And it's a lot easier to keep a team engaged if you don't tell them, we're going 10-0 this year, we're going to win a CIF championship. If you're telling them, hey, we couldn't play in the spring, I'm going to be here and work to make sure that we can play in the fall and we're going to do everything we can to make this season go through. But as J.J. said, I mean, I, I we talked with the Cabrillo principal, Wendy Poffenberger, and she was saying, like, school is starting next week. They haven't had a football game at Cabrillo, as J.J. mentioned, in two years. She said, like, this felt like really the start of the school year. She said this felt like we had orientation this week for our new students. We had a great turnout of freshmen. Um, she's in the same position that, that Shane Gonzalez, the coach is. She got appointed principal during the pandemic. So this is also going to be her first time really getting to – have that experience and so you know she made it clear she was like it was really meaningful for the players but it's also really meaningful for me just to be on my campus with this football game happening with the cheerleaders here and you know the fans showed up so i I, we've said it over and over again we'll continue to say it it's just so clear at this point that these football games you know just represent something so much bigger than two high school football teams playing for 48 minutes how
0: hype were the activity kids,
2: like the ASB mm-hmm.
0: kids, with the speakers playing the music at halftime? Like it looked like they hadn't done that in two years, because it yeah. literally <laughs> <laughs> haven't.
1: Right. No, it's an opportunity to be young and energetic, right? Turn it you up. know, and have fun with your friends. You know what I mean? And be be out and be social. And yeah, I mean, it's it was cool for us with the game being on a Thursday. You know, all three of us could be there. That doesn't happen very often at all. You know, because you know people like you know we cover our game so you know we got to split up and 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 get to as many games as we can so it was nice to be there together and it was nice to see the kids not hang their heads you know they did not like like Mike was saying you know they they stayed engaged they didn't you know get down on themselves like they just kept playing hard through the end and and even after defeat you know you could tell they were disappointed that they lost but they still were having fun with each other after the game and that was one thing that you know coach Gonzalez was really reiterating during the game you know football's fun. Like, let's have fun. And it it was nice to be around fun, um, even though ultimately, like we said, the score didn't go the way the Jags would have wanted. But it was better than last week's game. And if they keep getting a little bit better every week with how young and inexperienced they are, then, you know, like you said, Mike, they can kind of build that foundation to get that program back going.
0: Yeah, well, kids are a mirror, you know what I mean? And they're reflecting success right now and really pumped for them. And I hope that their season continues to get better every single day, not just on the field on and off the field. All that stuff is really important. Make sure you check out the coverage of that game at the562.org where you'll also find the preview of Game of the Week, Long Beach Poly at Sarah. It's probably the best, like, quote-unquote rivalry that we've covered in the last four or five years that's not from the Moore League. Long Beach Poly and Sarah have been playing each other pretty much every season for the last few years. You look back at the spring season, even. First game back, first football we covered after losing that 2020 football season was Long Beach Polly and Sarah, overtime game at Cabrillo, interestingly enough, where we just came from. It was amazing. It felt so good to be back, but just the look on those kids' faces before, during, and after the game made it feel so much more special. Now you move that stuff out of the way, and you've just got a good old-fashioned slobber knock fest ready to bust out at Sarah on Friday and Long Beach Polly looks primed for it.
1: Yeah, are we going to start this game in overtime? Are we just going to do... <laughs> just like forget the all the run-up to it? Just, and just roll like, over. Go, just go straight to overtime? <laughs> because these teams just only play close games. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, I'm going to throw it back a little bit because, JJ, you, you brought something into my mind when you were talking about it being a rivalry. Because Polly and Sarah are not really traditional rivals. It's not like... It's, it's not even you know, a proximity infatuation. No, it's, a, a, it's not it's like a, they're in the a, playoffs. It's a track rivalry. Yeah. Right, but it's... I think like the 4 by 1 teams have a great rivalry. No doubt. No doubt. But I th- and I think it's, you know, sort of akin to, you know, when when Poly Banning was like a great game every year. You know what I mean? And they were like kind of close to each other, but like and, and I know it's a very different style of football now and um, you know, but I think it's a nearby school that that also has done well and has produced a lot of big name talent and uh, it's fun to see them square off and <laughs> they just always deliver. There's no stinkers. All the games are close. I remember
2: I want to say it was the two thousand thirteen season. Um Polly played Sarah in twenty twelve and lost to them twenty to twelve the week before they lost to Narbonne fifty-six to zero. Um, I believe it was before the twenty thirteen season, the scrimmage between Polly and Sarah, when Sarah had a Dory Jackson as a senior and Polly had Juju as a senior. That scrimmage was probably the best football game I covered <laughs> that year. You know, I mean, it just, it was really elite athletes all over the field. And I'll just read you the scores from their last five meetings. Uh, Polly won 27 21 in overtime last year. The year before that was 27 24 Sarah. The year before that was 29 25 Sarah. The year before that was 24 20 Sarah. And as I mentioned, they won by eight points in 2012. So this has been predictably a really close, exciting game. Um, I'm certainly expecting it to be that way, uh, tomorrow as well, or, or tonight as well, Friday, uh, Malik Murphy, the quarterback for Sarah committed to Texas. They've also got Roderick Pleasant, who might be the fastest kid in California. He's a four-star skill player. He's got PAC 12 and sec offers all over the place, expecting to see him on both sides of the ball, um, for Polly really excited that the trio of, a uh, big time sophomores that transferred into from St. Bernard's one from Texas, uh, are all eligible, but um, they are a little bit banged up in the defensive backfield, which this would not be the game you would choose <laughs> for that to be the case. <laughs> right, not um, ideal. So I think they're going to have to do some things to kind of cover that up a little bit. And we're just going to see what they look like offensively. They've got two really good running backs. Devin Samples is back. Um, and then they've got Josh Noodles-Kaysen, um, who's a very similar style of running back. And then they've got the double quarterback thing with Shea Kikendahl and Darius Curry, the the transfer. So... That's always for me, you know, especially at that school, that's the big question mark for me is just how are they going to use those quarterbacks? Is it going to be quarter by quarter? Is it going to be series by series, which I don't like the series by series. I think you need to give guys some time to to get into a rhythm. Um, But, you know, a lot of, a lot of question marks. I think I would definitely say Polly's the more talented team, but I would say Sarah's the more experienced team, Um, you know, because the Jackrabbits do have a really big, strong sophomore class. So I'm curious to see you know what kind of punches they throw like you know what they're going for offensively are they just trying to let's just run the rock 50 times tonight and try and win a 17 to 10 game or are they going to try and let the Ferrari out a little bit with you know the new transfers or I don't know we we're, we're going to find out
1: well I I will say you know <laughs> going back to last year's game it seems, you know, in looking at the offseason and, and, and going through the preview and seeing practices, it does seem like Polly has improved from last year, at least on paper. We haven't seen it on the field yet. So teams were pretty even last year. So <laughs> we, we obviously are not quite as familiar with uh, what Sarah's bringing to the table. But if, you know, if they are going to pull off the win and keep it close, they're, they're going to have to play better than they did last year, I think. But they do have a game under their belt already, which which helps. That's an advantage. So this will be the first game for Polly. Always got to work through those kinks. And, and I think it is valuable, you know, um, Darius Curry, one of those uh, new transfers coming in as a sophomore quarterback, obviously supremely talented, but it's difficult to throw him in with a new system, you know, and, and, and a first game. He, he did start in the spring for Bernard's and got, you know, a lot of playing time varsity experience. But, you know, Shea, Shea's been there. You know what I mean? He, he made big plays down the stretch to help Polly win that game against Sarah last year and so he's got the experience and so for for coach barbie i think early in the season it's nice to kind of have both those guys that can play off each other their skill sets are a little bit different but you know you you have someone that really can kind of command the offense and know everything and then you've also got a real <laughs> elite playmaker that can kind of come in and so it'll be interesting to see that rotation like you said mike but um there's just going to be athletes there's going to be highlights and uh, i'm just looking forward to see what they what, what kind of show they put on
0: I know I've said this before on the podcast, and I'll say it again in other situations. Uh, For Poly fans, don't look at this game like looking at a map through a straw, right? You're going to miss a lot of it. Like, got to take a wide-angle view on this. Because ultimately, what you're looking at is the path to a championship. So don't look at the final score of this game as a barometer of how this Poly team is going to play. Look at how they play as a barometer of how they're going to be able to get back to those championships. If you're going to run through a division like the Southern Section... You're going to have to play teams like Sarah. You're going to have to control the ball on offense. But are you controlling the ball on offense by running? Are you controlling it by screen passes? Are you sp- are you being forced to blitz on second down? These things, to me, are more important in a game like this for Polly than what the final score is. Because when you work through a preseason, Mike already mentioned it, 2012, sometimes losing can make you better.
2: Yeah, and I think the difference between this year and 2012 is... Um, if they do this year what they did in 2012, they'll be in, like, Division 4. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That is <laughs> the know, wild card, right? R- right. I mean, in 2012, it was you're in Division 1 no matter what if you're Long Beach Poly, and now every single team is going to find out at the end of the season what division they're in based on their performance. So you look at a game that happened earlier tonight, um, Mission Viejo, who Poly is going to play, lost to Servite 44-7. to So that's a pretty big ding right there. In a weird way, and I think we discussed this on a previous podcast, you know, we're looking at that Cabrillo team. I don't think that it would make sense to line that Cabrillo team up against the Polly team that the Jackrabbits are running out there this year. Not if
0: you're considering the safety of those Cabrillo Jaguars.
2: Correct. Well, and frankly, like the competitive, like, you know, what's the point for Polly? So, but if they preemptively say, okay, they're not going to play that game, Polly can schedule someone else there depending on the strength of the opponent that they schedule versus what Cabrillo's um, rating is in Cal preps, that potentially is a huge impact on what happens to them in the playoffs. So all this stuff is up in the air. Um, I, you know, I am interested in all that stuff. I am absolutely like get the abacus out and try and read the future on, on what these playoff divisions are going to look like, but also it comes down to the games. No, there's nothing that different about the games. <laughs> Polly's going to Sarah. It's been a great game the last five times they're playing. They played. We're expecting it to be that way tonight. It will be streamed live on uh, what used to be Fox Sports Prep Zone, which is now, I guess, Valley Sports Prep Zone. Um, And the link to that live stream will be in our preview story on the562.org if you uh, don't feel like going out there. But let me just say this, because we get this question a lot. You can go to football games again. You can show up to the football (laughs) game and buy a ticket. Uh, They are letting everyone come in. You do not have to be related to a player. There's not a limit on the number of people that can go to the game, so if you do want to go see um, a great game tonight uh, in Sarah, you know at Sarah, then then go out. I mean, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it'll probably be the best crowd that I've seen so far this year.
1: Um, so go go make the background of the video better and show up to the game. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Add some add some flavor to the background for sure. No, I think JJ, you make a great point. It's like it's a long season. There's other tough games ahead. You know, it, it it's not all going to be defined by this first game. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of where those strengths come through. And Polly is a very young team. You know, Mike talked about that sophomore class. I feel like the Jackrabbits will improve over the course of the season. And so, you know, it's, it is just one game. But, uh, but still, it would be kind of a big statement win because people are asking a lot of questions about, is Polly back? Are they for real? Are they legit? Are they starting to challenge, the, you know, the best teams in the, in the area, in the state? in the country and it you know we (laughs) they got a lot of games between uh now and when people can make that assertion um but the first step is kind of seeing what they do against a quality opponent in sarah summer's coming
2: to an end but that doesn't mean that the barbecue sauce has to stop flowing obviously the taste of summer in long beach each and every year is naples rib company they're very proud to be the title sponsor of the 562.org and have been the sponsor of jj and i's coverage for over a decade at this point Dave Rossini and Naples Rib Company have been so great about supporting Long Beach Sports Coverage and Long Beach Schools. We hope you'll support them as you're starting to get back out there and go out for date nights. Make sure you get down to Naples Rib Company on 2nd Street in Naples Island. Tell them that the 562.org saying.
1: We
0: wish we had less practice when we're writing stories about teams canceling games due to a positive COVID-19 test. We wish it was very difficult. Unfortunately... For the third time already this season, first it happened to Lakewood, then it happened to Long Beach Poly, and now the Wilson Bruins have had a game canceled. They were supposed to visit San Jacinto on Saturday, and they will not because they had a positive COVID test within their program. Now, the player in question is a junior varsity player, but because he played in the junior varsity game, dressed out, was on the sideline for the varsity game, and then was in the film session on Saturday before showing symptoms then the Sunday test, Monday positive test, and then you go into a situation where everybody's got their hands up saying, we don't know where to go from here. Where they went was canceling the varsity game. Now, the lower level game will still go on, but the varsity game will not because Wilson didn't have enough players vaccinated to continue practicing this week and then field a team large enough to hit the road, take on a good San Jacinto team. There's a lot of question marks here. There's a lot of bummers here. There's a lot of, if this continues to happen, where will we go from here? But I think what's really important and what's kind of good in this situation is that Wilson's got a guy like Scott Meyer as their head coach. It's his first year, but, uh, but he took it with a grain of salt, saying things like, it's still the world we live in and it's disappointing, but the bottom line is that safety is the biggest deal here for everyone. We're, we're, we're in the right place, right? We're, we're reacting the right way. But I still feel like it's not the last time we're going to write this story. And that's just, that's just unfortunate. And like Scott Meyer said, it's still the world we live
2: in. Yeah, I would love it if this was our last story. But at this point, um, Holly and Liquid both missed week one games uh, over various COVID issues. Wilson now is missing their second game. Um, I just wanted to, I think we can dive in a little bit on a couple things and maybe shine a little bit more light um, or at least shine some light on what there isn't enough light on. For one thing, JJ mentioned that lower-level game happening. The Wilson-Froshsoft won today, um, which is, you know, that's a great feeling given how crazy everything has been for them to come out and beat San Jacinto. No doubt. Um, But I saw this when I went to practice at Poly earlier this week because they had had the exact same thing. They had a JV player who had been on the scout team for varsity. Um, That's what shut their program down. So Stephen Barbie has separated – There's a frosh soft practice It's just frosh soft kids. There's a JV practice, it's just JV kids. And there's a varsity practice that's just varsity uh, kids. And he even apologized to the team, they're running scout. They were going to have a pretty big varsity roster this year that I feel like has been reduced by 20 or 30 kids from when I was out of practices a few weeks ago. And he was apologizing to the varsity guys. He said, hey, you normally would not be running scout in this situation, but if we bring 20 more kids over here, From JV, that's twenty more kids that could potentially test positive and shut this whole thing down. Those so, scout teams
0: just got so much better.
2: <laughs> they got so much better, but it's also so much more work on the kids, right? Even yeah. Especially for a guy like Adonovan Poe who's playing both ways, now it's like okay, you're 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 doing a lot of work out there, right? Um, so I, I'll be curious to see how that continues to play out. And weirdly, it does end up actually being an advantage for your programs like Jordan and Cabrillo, where they're not running three levels, and their roster number, is, they're carrying less kids on the roster just because it's less chances that someone's going to test positive, either with a real positive or a false positive or whatever. Right. The second thing that you mentioned was the vaccine, and I do want to shed a little bit of light on that. Um, Long Beach State had a situation where, because so many of their kids are vaccinated, I think it's. I think Andy Fee, the athletic director, told us it's It's closing in on ninety six percent of student athletes vaccinated, which Correct. is a huge
1: number, by the way. Like, let's not just quickly go over that. Like, yeah. especially in the, the age demographic of the Long Beach State student athletes. That is a very high number. There's not a lot number.
2: of 18- to 22-year-old right. pools out there that are 96%
1: vaccinated. So we're yeah. hoping we won't have to write that story about Long Beach State events. Well, sure. you, we'll you
2: can
0: go to the website right now and listen to the latest episode of the LB Fee Show where we talk to Andy Fee about that and other things that concerns them every single week, right? Either we're going on the road or you're having somebody come there. Right. Like everybody's getting tested at the college level.
2: But he, but the, the rules state in the state of California, if you have a soccer team with 30 players on it and two kids test positive, but everyone has the vaccine, the other 28 players can continue to practice. They don't have to quarantine. You don't even have to take one practice off. If they're vaccinated, they can continue to play. Now, the rules at the high school level are changing very rapidly. The uh, Los Angeles County Department of Health this week issued testing guidance that said that all youth sports will have to wear masks even while competing and that they will have to test negative within 48 hours of competing, which will be pretty brutal for volleyball and basketball teams. They then, the next day, remove some of the masking requirements and change it to within 72 hours of playing, you have to test negative. So this stuff's going to continue to change, and the rules aren't super clearly defined. I think we don't have the clearest set of rules within the Long Beach Unified School District, in part because of that. Like Their rules are reactive to what the county is doing, And those rules are changing. But the result is no one's really quite sure. Like they got that test at Wilson and there is not a rule book that states if X number of kids test positive, a game is shut down or if X number of kids test positive, a a game can go on. What is assumed is the more kids are vaccinated, the more kids can continue to practice or play, even when there is a positive test. And we did see that at Poly where the kids who were vaccinated were able to return for practice a little bit before the kids who had not been vaccinated. So it's kind of a dicey situation because unlike at Long Beach State, the high school kids, there's no high school football coach who has a roster with V's next to the kids who are vaccinated. <laughs> right. Um, not yet. Not, right. Not yet. No, but you're absolutely right. Because if you go by the counting rules, which is what are going to govern this football season, high school football is the same as NCAA or the NFL. The more kids on your team are vaccinated and they're all over 12, I presume. So they're all eligible to be vaccinated the easier it will be for teams to manage a positive COVID test or even a small outbreak without it actually canceling games and disrupting things. And I don't know that I've really seen that message put out there for these high school kids, but if that Wilson high school football team, presumably mm-hmm. if everyone on the team had been vaccinated, they probably still would have been playing this weekend.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that is a a great point, Mike, that the rules aren't super clearly laid out. And it is, you know, it's like you're on a treadmill also trying to hit a moving target. You know, it's like you're moving, the situation's moving. It's all, it's very difficult, you know, to kind of set these guidelines. It's it's, it's our job to figure this stuff out and we don't have a, a clear answer on that. So, I mean, so no one has a clear answer on it. Right. But I think to your point, based on where the rules are now, you know, the, the best way that we can avoid or, you know, not have to write these kind of stories or get these cancellations or have, you know, two week breaks in practices. If the percentage of vaccinated players is high enough that you can still feel the team, even if you do have a positive case, you know, so that you can you can just manage that a little bit better. So that's the that is I, based on how things are now. That's kind of the way forward. Um, I know for us, you know, we've all, we've all been vaccinated for quite some time and, uh, had that, that peace of mind, but, um, it's, it's definitely still something that is being talked about a lot from the district, the city. So, um, it's an ongoing effort and it's, um, you know, it's just going to be a wait and see. We, I know we talked about it on the previous podcast as far as how the year is going to look and, you know, what are we going to be able to do? What, what's going to get canceled and all that so it really is a week-to-week thing and um you know we're, we'll, we'll try to do our best to formulate everything and give as clear messaging as we can once we interpret all the rulings and stuff i i, I uh i want to be
2: even more serious than we've been um and just pass this on by the way there, there's been a lot of talk about the vaccine about what privileges you are afforded or not afforded if you're vaccinated um and i just want to say like while the virus has not been as dangerous physically to kids or even to young adults or even to slightly older adults in our age demographic, um, it is still affecting people and it's affecting specifically, almost exclusively unvaccinated people. But um, a kid that we covered um, FASA, who is an offensive lineman at Poly a few years ago, um, passed away this week um, from COVID like that's happening still. And um, I hate seeing those stories. I hate writing those stories. And so it's a sports conversation. It's a sports podcast. But I also want to throw that out there. Like the reason that public health people are asking people to get vaccinated is not so that they can play football. It's so that they can stay out of the intensive care unit. Um, And I don't don't want to lose sight of that. If people are upset at me for saying that on a sports podcast, that's fine. Um, but these are people that we know and care about who we've been writing obituaries for for the last year and a half. And uh, I, I don't want to lose sight of the actual <laughs> the actual reason for these vaccines, uh, which, again, is not uh, to allow more high school football games to be played.
0: Yeah, we want to write more high school football stories, for sure. Too, too much of that other stuff going around. So we've got to play it hour by hour, not even just day by day, week by week. Like, anything can change at any moment. So we're trying to stay loose. We're trying to give you guys... The best information both on and off the field. So right now we do know that those games are either canceled or happening. And right now, we've got some other games that are happening, like Milliken going to Carlsbad, where the Rams are gonna see a familiar face. It's our guy, Thad McNeil. How many times on this podcast have we talked about the great glory days of the more League Super Bowl when Lakewood and Long Beach Poly were literally playing each other in the CIF Southern Section Pac-5 semifinals? More League, playing each other in the semifinals, trying to get to the ship. That was not that long ago. The guy who uh, is almost exclusively responsible is Thad McNeil, who is now at Carlsbad. So still kind of tied into the More League. Love to see him. Love to see them doing so well down there. Not shocked at all. Look, it's an alma mater. Turning his program around. Amazing. <laughs> so Thad McNeil, Carlsbad taking on Milliken tomorrow. Milliken doing a little bit of a road trip.
2: Yeah, always uh, nice to get to catch up with uh, Thaddeus, Zaddeus uh, McNeil. Uh, he called me earlier this week, and uh, and we, we relive some of those glory days, JJ, as we always do. We uh, kind of chuckled and shook our heads at Rashad Wadud uh, coaching at Poly. Uh, Wadud <laughs> was one of the uh, kind of critical guys for Thad in building that Lakewood program up and was like, Mr. We're going to beat Poly. He was on that Lakewood team that beat Poly. Um, and, uh, and Mac sent me a, you know, traitor with a smiley face when we were (laughs) we're talking about, uh, shoddy being over at poly. But, um, yeah, I think that it's a tough game for Millican. Romeo Pelham told us last week, you know, he thinks that's going to be a tough game. Um, Carlsbad's got a national level quarterback, um, and, uh, and there's a really well coached team. Um, I think they're kind of where Millican's hoping to get to in the next year or two, um, so I think that's a good test for Milliken. And, and Romeo Pelham, to his credit, has not shrunk from those games. They, they played a really good orange team, they played La Salle last year. Um, both games that they felt helped get them better for the playoffs as well as for you know taking on Poly uh, in the more League.
1: But yeah, they, they got to show something coming off last week. I know that was kind of a frustrating game for Milliken. So it's less about the result. And we kind of said this earlier in the podcast. It's less about the result as far as going down there and getting a win. But it's being competitive. It's playing better football. And it's putting themselves in a position to close out. The non league schedule where they have more winnable games against St. Anthony and La Mirada, and then that can kind of carry them into the more league. So for Milliken, definitely just focus on playing better, not necessarily going in and pulling off the upset, so to speak, but um, just, just having a more complete football game to kind of get them better because it is a long season. And like Mike said, they've got their eyes towards the playoffs.
0: We mentioned Lakewood earlier, they did have that closure. Before the season, so a little bit behind. They were supposed to start the season with St. Anthony. That game got canceled. So, the Lancers are hitting the road to Peninsula on Friday to open Peninsula. their season. The p i at 3 p.m., guys. Pray for your boy. I'm going to be running around out there without the help of trainers or water or, you know, any type of two-a-day preparation. 3 p.m. on the p i It's going to be hot. But the Lancers are looking for their first win. in the '80s, though, won't it? It'd be like '80s. It'd I don't know, man. High. It's been hot lately. <laughs> it's,
2: been, it's been pretty hot, and as, as I've been helping my wife move into an unair-conditioned classroom. It's been very. Hot. I'm I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm joking. I'll be
0: fine. But like that is a legitimate factor in a high school football game is when you play it. How, how many times have we watched kids play on a Saturday afternoon and like, man, if this was Friday night at seven, this game would be completely different because the sun, classically. It takes it out of
1: you. Yeah, and especially it's your first game, so it's always an adjustment in the first game. And Lakewood had that two week pause uh, due to the positive COVID test in summer school on campus, so they already missed some practice time. It's later, you know, and and I mean, like you said, JJ, it's going to be hot. The sun's going to be out, and we've already seen a lot of cramping in the the games that we covered in in week one. Basically we always every, we always see we a lot always cramping. do, but it, it
2: seemed the worst. Shout this year. out. To the Cabrillo Jaguars tonight Uh huh. I did not Big see shouts. one kid have to be dragged off the field because he was cramping uh, with JJ and I were at the Jordan game last week where I think literally the whole roster cramped up that the Milliken yeah. game that Tyler and I covered was the same way we actually mentioned to Steve and Barbie when we were at the poly practice on Monday, hey, you might want to pass on to your kids. <laughs> don't wait till Friday to start hydrating. It's serious. No, it's a real, it's it's, a real I don't thing. know what it does seem like it's been more severe. It's always bad the first yeah. couple of weeks, but it seems like it's been a lot worse this year than normal. Well, the sun takes it out of you. Water though puts it back in.
0: Undefeated. <laughs> yeah. Water's undefeated. You give water enough time, it always wins. Is water
1: goaded? I think it should be. <laughs> it's gotta be, right? I mean Grand Canyon. Right? Undefeated. I, Niagara Falls. It's amazing. Many uh, a proposal has unf- happened. I, I, Buy
2: your water stock right now. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I don't know if you guys have been following the news in California. I, I don't know that I'd say it's going to be undefeated. Scar- no, me, it's it's scary. Scary. It's,
1: Scarcity makes price go it's, up. Yeah, it's, it's, also, it's, be, it's,
2: be, it's being defeated, unfortunately, so speak. It's not
0: there.
1: <laughs> we don't have it. Therefore, it's a, you know what I mean? you got to have it to have it it's, defeated. It's days. being turned into, you know... Something else. Water's like Donda. can't drink. Yeah. Water's like Donda. We don't <laughs> yeah. have it You We've been <laughs> hearing about <laughs> we it. You have been hearing about
0: it. Uh, we also know on Friday we're going to get Compton and Compton Centennial at Compton College because obviously C High is under construction. So they are moving around playing games and having practices at different places. Literally their entire campus is at Roosevelt Middle School down the street there from where Compton High School used to stand. So Compton, looking good. You know, they're trying to get something going this year. I will tell you this, though. The Hub City Classic games against Centennial and Dominguez are always a barometer for how Compton looks. If those are blowout wins, watch out, bud. Watch out, because Compton gets some real momentum from those rivalry games.
1: And we saw some really good things from Compton in the spring. And... We're lo- looking at, you know, we're looking at Calvin Bryant's team, and we think that they can make some noise in the Moore League this year, and and they're always a tough matchup, so I'm really looking forward to covering that game and, and seeing what the Babes do to open the season. I think they're in a good spot. I I know that they're, I'd probably consider them to be the favorites for the, the Hub City title this year, so um, yeah, started out with week one, keep the ball on the ground, nothing fancy, run behind that massive offensive line, and just, and just put up numbers. Classic Compton football.
2: Do you feel like they're gonna really? I mean, Compton Centennial has been the clear-cut third-place team in that city rivalry. Yeah, Do you think you're you expecting a big game from Compton, Tyler? I am. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. If this was fan,
0: if this was fantasy football, my first pick, and I would use uh, if it was like a, an auction draft, like I'd use daily? almost all of my money for Deion Johnson. <laughs> the running back at Compton will get the ball a lot, and I see big chunks of
1: yardage coming for Fiverr. You know what? As long as they don't fool me with their handoffs, that we will have video footage of him doing big things if everything start works wide. out as planned. Start wide, zoom in when they get through. So maybe be, be behind the line of scrimmage yeah, to give me I always
2: film Compton from behind the line of scrimmage. but Read since your I, keys, boys. Since Read I started, the guard. Since I started doing that, I have not really missed on the handoff. And then, you know, they get through, you just
1: lean around the line and film them going down the side. I can't get cocky. I will not get cocky. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to say I'm going to do my best. And I acknowledge and respect the intricacy and the misdirection that's intended in that double wing. So if I get fooled, I get fooled. But we're going to go out and cover a good football game, and hopefully it's not quite as hot since they kick off at 5 p.m. That's right.
0: We do have a regular timed game and another local matchup to wrap it up. It's St. Anthony and can Mayfair. I, can I
2: briefly interject that I love that we are the only three people outside of Calvin Bryant who know the difference between the wing tee and the double wing?
0: That is true. I've heard a lot of people... Everyone's
2: a oh confident in that wing tee. He goes, there's two wingbacks. There's two wingbacks. It's wing not backs. the wing tee. you got to know it's your the difference. the double wing.
0: It's true. Also, it, not nearly as effective... Wing T, no double wing works. We've watched it work for like fifteen years. Wing T,
2: the wing, T... have never seen the wing T work. The wing, the, the, the wing T is just a double tight end set with an extra fullback. You and you put, I mean? and then if you, like... if you
0: move the quarterback into shotgun, everybody sees the development of the play. Yeah, what the are you du- doing? The
2: double wing forces you to defend three different runners on every play. And you also can't usually see which one of them has the ball. It's a much, much more intricate uh, misdirection. Obviously.
0: We are nerds.
2: I,
1: yes. <laughs> Correct. Double wing. Correct. <laughs> it has to be the double wing. Drums and flats. Yeah. True. The duality of wings. Love it. Did I'm you, all I'm an all flats you, guy. I don't guys, know about you.
2: Did you guys see the video of the dude's flats method where he yeah, the puts, like Alabama he puts, dude? He yeah, puts yeah. the end yes. of the flat on the plate and then squishes the meat down and uh-huh. just like pulls it off like it's a cake pop. It's
0: not a bad call. Do you know that's how you're actually it. supposed to eat corn off the cob is that way? To pull the corn off the cob with your thumb down onto the table, and then it just like falls off completely, and you don't eat half of the corn cob while you're trying to eat. Corn
1: on the cob. I've done that like with a knife. Would that, 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 yeah. that be corn off the cob?
0: Eventually, if you're doing it right, yeah. Yeah. right.
1: Yeah. Then it's just corn. I don't think you. You don't get the stuff in your teeth though. When you don't the eat equation. corn on a
0: cob, you get that stuff stuck in your teeth. Don't get me started on corn, bro. Corn's the devil.
1: And Anyways. you need the little, you need the little like clip things on the end. What are those things called? Or you just poke them in the end, or corn. otherwise you're gonna corn. get butter They're and corn holders. <laughs> Corn holders, because yeah. cornhole is like an activity that you do. <laughs> corn holders. I thought corn holders were people that play cornhole. You got to yeah. air. You got to air. Sh- you gotta, you gotta air me all those things.
0: You got to air them right into the side. This is podcast gold. Welcome. So this welcome, is what
2: welcome, welcome to twelve thirty in the morning. The last game of the week is. <laughs> oh, you're the, you're the one who interrupted me to break down double wing wing tea. Don't I got start. one more
1: point about school
0: uniforms. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> St. Mayfair, one of the games that we will be covering on Friday night. Get to the562.org right now for all of the previews, reviews, videos, photo galleries, stories, and more. We are a non so please spread the word. Smash that subscribe button. Visit Naples Rib Company. Hit up other, other sponsors, Ocean Law Center. Let them know that the562.org sent you. Let's create this community stronger than ever. So, for Tyler and for Mike and for JJ, we're kicking it old school at What Up Long Beach. We will see you in the stands, Cosh, y'all. Gosh,
2: gosh, bagosh.
0: Take care, Long Beach.
2: <laughs> Peace.
0: <laughs>